Hey everyone, the It's All Journalism team wanted to remind you that we have an email newsletter where you can get all the latest news about our podcast. Go to our website, itsalljournalism.com, and follow the link to subscribe. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. That sense of adoration and joy and enthusiasm for the city, and also that sense of frustration and anger at the city, I think that's the recipe for creating a great podcast. One of the things I've long advocated for on this podcast is local news outlets tapping into the power of podcasting to better cover the communities they serve. Today, I talked to a longtime podcaster who helped to make that happen in eight cities across the U.S. I'm Michael O'Connell. Welcome to It's All Journalism. David Plotz is the CEO of CityCast, which says it's making smart, daily, local news podcasts and newsletters that make you a better and more curious citizen. David, welcome back to It's All Journalism. Thanks for having me back after a, a huge gap. After a huge gap. Yeah. The last time you were on was uh, way back in, in 2013. I think you were you know, maybe in your last days at Slate before you were moving on to something else. It was a long time ago. So what, what have you been doing since we last spoke? Well, I left as editor of Slate and then for about six years from 2014 until 2020, I was the CEO of a company called Atlas Obscura, which is an amazing travel and media company that we built up over those six years. And it's a company that, that is a guide to the world's hidden wonders. We create amazing books about the world's hidden wonders and take people on incredible trips to see some of the world's most unusual and spectacular places. So that's what I did until 2020. And then after uh, 2020, after a sort of... The world changed. The world changed. (laughs) My last day, totally coincidentally, my last day as CEO of, of Atlas Obscura was March 9th. That was the day of my transition. I felt my poor successor came into running a travel and media company on the basically the day the pandemic <laughs> stopped all travel and most of media too, but he's weathered the challenge really well. Okay. You, you didn't kick some plug as you were walking out. It just, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I did count my blessings though. Like, wow, I was, I'm glad I did not have to run the company through that. But since, and after doing some work for Insider, for Henry Blodgett at Insider, which was great, I, in fall of 2020, started work on a company which has become now known as CityCast, which is a national network of daily local podcasts and newsletters that we have been building. And we we launched it, sort of launched the first podcasts and newsletters in the spring of 2021. And so now we're, we're a year and a bit into making podcasts and newsletters. We're now in eight cities, including Denver, Chicago, Houston, Salt Lake, Boise, Las Vegas, DC and Pittsburgh. And then we're going to be in Portland, Philly and Madison shortly. So it's been a great run so far. It's a great concept, you know, being a podcaster and talking about journalists or talking to journalists and and talking about how you can sort of use a podcast in the way you cover, you know, a beat or something. I think everybody's kind of used to, oh, here's the big political, national political podcast. Here's the big entertainment podcast. But, you know, locally focusing something, I was kind of hoping we'd see this sooner, more people sort of going towards it, because I think it's something that that has a lot of promise. So where did this idea come from? What was it that inspired you to come up with this? Well, just to give credit where it belongs, it was not my idea. It was the idea of my boss. So 
CityCast is a subsidiary of a large company called the Graham Holdings Company, which you may know as the former Washington Post company. So it's the Graham family, which owned the Washington Post for generations, sold the Washington Post a few years ago, but they had built this large, tremendously successful conglomerate, which includes media companies, healthcare companies, education companies, manufacturing companies. And the CEO, Tim O'Shaughnessy, who's my boss, was really interested in podcasting and really interested in local. They own local TV stations. They had created Megaphone and sold Megaphone to Spotify, which is a podcast analytics platform. And Graham Holdings had this all this other audio interest, and they were the largest investor in Gimlet. And Tim and I were talking, and he was saying how, isn't it funny the way podcasting, which has so occupied every niche that traditional audio is in, has not really successfully occupied local news? And was there an opportunity there to build something in local news in podcasting that would be different and valuable. And so that was the beginning of the idea. And then from that, we've sort of fleshed it out. And that's where CityCast came from. So the cities that you have podcasts in now, is it, here's a recipe, this is what the podcast should look like, here are the elements that you need to have, or is it something that's more tailored to, to the individual cities and their identities? Well, it's really tailored to the individual city. I mean, I think there's certainly ways in which we're trying to get economies of scale. So everyone works on the same tools and the tech support is centralized and the some of the editing functions are centralized. But in terms of the content, we very much are counting on the local teams to know what works in their cities. And when we hire, we hire people who we think are just deeply passionate about their city. And I've, I've for the host in particular, I think it's really important. I've described this as like a very particular kind of person. It's the person who loves Salt Lake City more than anyone else and thinks it's more fucked up than anyone else does. So it's that person. And if they can convey that sense of adoration and joy and enthusiasm for the city and also that sense of frustration and anger at the city, I think that's the recipe for creating a great podcast. But how they carry it out in each city varies from city to city, depending on the personality of the host and kind of the, the experience of the team. Now that you've had, you know, maybe almost a year of having these locally focused podcasts at some of your cities, are you seeing sort of a pattern of, of the types of stories they do, or is it really kind of change with whatever the, the local person is interested in? That is a hard question to answer. I think it's a mix. I guess the answer is there are certain kinds of stories that, that tend to work in all cities. Like if you talk about the best donut shop, you can do the best donut shop from Salt Lake and you can do the best donut in Chicago. But Salt Lake, there are so many more and different kinds of environmental problems than there are in Chicago, or at least those environmental problems are front and center for people. Whereas in Chicago, maybe the problems have much more to do with housing or with criminal justice. And so you're going to get more coverage of that. So there's some overlap and then some distinction. I think the thing that we've really learned most, I think, is that we describe them as news podcasts. And in some sense, they are news podcasts. They do give you important information about what is happening in your city. But we realized very quickly, it can't possibly replicate or even compete with what commercial radio and what the internet and social media do, because podcasting is intrinsically time shifted. So you tape a podcast on Wednesday afternoon, and you comes out early Thursday morning, people may not listen to it until Thursday afternoon, 
maybe they don't listen to it till the weekend because that's when they catch up on their podcast. And so the nature of the kind of stories that you do is much less instant news and news of the moment than I think we thought it might be when we started. It is much more about finding stories that matter to people, even when they're listening to them a day later than you've made them or three days later, because they somehow connect deeply to people as citizens of the city. Do you find that as the local teams sort of tackle a story, sort of addressing what you're just talking about here with the the sort of time shift that sometimes you have a story that continues on, maybe not in, in consecutive episodes, but as a story maybe develops that you have different angles and different guests and, and you're sort of able to expand on that. Yeah. I mean, I th- I've noticed that actually in Houston. I mean, every city has weather, but Houston has more weather than any other city. <laughs> it's got all and the weather. So one of the stories that the Houston team ends up covering a lot is just this experience of this tremendous heat and the varied effects it has and how it unfolds over time. And so that's a team which ends up covering kind of the weather effects on themselves all the time and over several days spread out over time. I think where we're really finding the niche is that this is such an emotional medium And the connections that people feel to hosts are really profound. So what we're looking for is hosts who are very good at creating a feeling in their listeners about the city. And that that emotional oomph of the city is really what we think the podcasts do best. We think that the purpose of the podcasts are to make you feel more connected to Houston or Pittsburgh or DC or Salt Lake. The purpose is not to make you the most informed citizen. It's not to do accountability journalism. It's not to be the best investigative journalism source. It's not even to be the best news source. We want to have elements of all of that. But the really important thing that a podcast does that a newspaper has a hard time doing, even that TV has a hard time doing, is that podcast makes you feel emotionally invested in something. And so we are trying to lean into that emotional aspect of the experience of being a citizen of a, of a city, a resident of a city, and have, make people feel more strongly about their city. That's really kind of fascinating because I think somebody thinks, you know, at the beginning of this, or we're talking about, oh, we're doing these podcasts. Well, it sounds like something that, you know, like your local NPR or public radio station would do. But, you know, we know podcasts are different and people consume them differently, even though there are many podcasts, successful podcasts that come out of public radio. You couldn't have said it better. That is exactly what we've said to ourselves. I and mean, we, we end up working with a lot of people from public radio and public radio is wonderful. And local public radio is an incredible institution. But we do think that a podcast and a local podcast actually has a different function than some of the local radio shows. And it really is tied up in this kind of emotional connection that people are able to make through podcasting. It's such an intimate medium. And if you can capture that intimacy, that feeling of it being in your ears, right in your ears, then you can hopefully succeed with it. It's kind of fascinating if you think about it. If you look at radio, not just NPR, but like, you know, commercial radio where you, you know, you have radio personalities or even like radio newscasters that have a certain timbre to their voice and the way they sort of tell a story. And I don't think that as good as many of those people are that you necessarily get that one-on-one that you're, you're going to want from a podcast host. So now 
you've said a couple of times host and teams. You know, what are we talking about as far as a team? How many people do you have in a, in a team? Four people in each city. So we have a host, a lead producer, a producer, and a newsletter writer. So three people who work on the podcast and then one person who works on the newsletter. And there's some overlap so that if someone's on vacation, if the host is on vacation, the lead producer can host the producers on vacation, the host can do some of the production. So there's cross-training, but it's a four-person team. And then there's some central folks. So we have backup editors and producers who are available if the team needs it. How does the newsletter function in this? How are you using it for promotion? How are you using it to sort of sell the the personality that you're, you're trying to project? The newsletter is also a daily product. It's a daily product that is designed to help you be the best Chicagoan you can be. And if, if the purpose of the podcast is to help you make you feel more connected, the purpose of the, the newsletter is to give you tools to be more connected. So it's very much oriented around the podcast is telling you a story and making you, you know, kind of giving you a strong feels about that story. The podcast is like, how can you volunteer? Like, what is the city council doing about this? It's very oriented around your activity as a resident of a city and how you can be involved in that city. And it's got a really good news summary and it's really fun. The two products are not at all duplicative. So the newsletter mentions the podcast every day. It it refers to it, it points to it, but the newsletter is not a print version of the podcast. These are meant for people at different points in their day and they have very different use cases. It's also much easier to get someone to subscribe to a newsletter than it is to get someone to listen to a podcast. So a lot of our our funnel or our gateway is people subscribing to the newsletter, finding that useful, and then hopefully hearing about the podcast from it and giving it a try. So you've been at this for over a year. What have you done to get people to come and listen to your podcast? Well, we've done a lot of things. (laughs) It is hard though. I, I mean, that. I don't think it will shock any of your listeners who are people who are interested in media and interested in podcasting to learn that it's really hard to get people to listen to podcasts because the conversion techniques are, you can't just have people click on something and then it converts them to a listener. It's so indirect. So probably the most successful thing that we've done in terms of marketing is we advertise on other podcasts. So if you listen to a Vox Network podcast or a PRX podcast or some NPR podcast, and you live in one of our cities, we can geo-target you and run an ad saying, hey, have you listened to the daily podcast that's all about Houston? Check it out. Check out CityCast Houston. And the conversion rates are pretty decent, but it's a very expensive form of advertising and marketing, and it's not that efficient. So we also do a lot of podcast feed swaps. So let's say you have a great podcast focused on on Pittsburgh history that has a small but devoted audience of Pittsburghers. And we put one of your episodes in our feed and you put an episode of CityCast Pittsburgh in your feed. And hopefully your listeners hear about CityCast Pittsburgh and are like, oh yeah, I should listen to that more regularly. And hopefully our listeners hear about your Pittsburgh history podcast and listen to that. So that's the thing we do. We encourage our hosts to go on other media. We do a, a ton of newsletter subscriber acquisitions where we acquire new newsletter subscribers, usually through Facebook and Instagram. And those folks become into our ecosystem and start reading our newsletter. And then every day they read the newsletter, they see a push for that podcast and some of them convert that way. But it's, it is, it's a really hard process. And 
you know, people have a limited amount of time and the great advantage of doing something daily is that it's always there. And, you know, once people get into a habit, they listen a lot. But the hard thing about doing something daily is just people don't want another daily thing that piles up in their inbox. So it's, it's a real challenge. And the only way we're going to really succeed is if we make something that in any city where we operate, where it really does make people feel more connected to the city. It, listening to CityCast makes them care more about the city and creates feelings in them that, they're, that make them happy. That's number one. And number two, that it's, it matters that people feel like, oh, if I didn't listen to CityCast, I don't know what's actually happening or what really matters in Denver today. Those are real hard tasks. Fortunately, we have a great, you know, we have a great owner who's really understands that this isn't just, this is not just you can buy a bunch of users and you're all set. It really is. You earn them slowly, one by one over time. Yeah. But the great thing about, you know, when you earn a, a podcast listener, they're super loyal right. and they tell their friends and uh, you tell them to do something, to purchase something or to go somewhere and participate. They will do that or speak to you. So, you know, one thing, the way you're sort of describing it, it makes, makes me wonder, you know, local radio stations, I mean, you just go down the dial, you can see that each one is sort of targeting a different kind of audience. I mean, aside from the fact that you want to get listeners in, in Salt Lake City, is there a particular demographic in particular you're looking at besides maybe, you know, people who listen to podcasts routinely? Well, you answered the question. Really. <laughs> People who listen to podcasts are kind of a demographic. You know, they have certain qualities. So that's the first one. For the podcast, it's definitely like, people who listen to podcasts or who we're going after, they're the easiest ones to get to listen to podcasts. It's much easier to get someone who listens to five podcasts to listen to a six than to get someone who listens to no podcast to listen to one. So we're really targeting that group. And that is a, you know, that group tends to be educated. It tends to be urban, which is good because we're appealing to cities. And, you know, there are, there are a lot of them. And we picked some of the cities we picked, we picked because they historically have pretty good podcast penetration, like Salt Lake City. A lot of people listen to podcasts in Salt Lake City relative to certain other cities. And then I think we're trying to, this is a, it's a kind of a broad appeal, people who are patriotic about their cities. A lot of people just love their city and they, you find them because they are following Facebook accounts, which are focused on their city or because they are devotees of particular restaurants or cultural institutions in the city and you reach out to them because you figure like somebody who really like cares enough about Pittsburgh to be following the Pittsburgh Public Library Instagram account that's a person who who probably wants to know about a daily podcast and daily newsletter it's just all about Pittsburgh so finding those kind of patriots is really valuable and they come in all shapes and sizes and I don't think we've cracked it at all. Like we are acquiring newsletter subscribers at a really good clip and for relatively reasonable cost. That seems, it's clear like how easy it is, not how easy it is. It's clear how to do that for newsletters. I think for the podcast listeners, it's everyone is puzzling it out. The folks who I think have, have really got it figured out are the folks doing sports podcasts. That's where you can locate your listeners if you're doing a local podcast really easily. If you were like the Locked On Sports Network, I'm sure you know about doing all these daily local podcasts for sports teams. It's such a good model and it's so easy for them to find their people because sports fans 
huddle together in this interesting way. Yeah, sports radio is really kind of an amazing thing. You see so much more engagement and then willingness by hosts and, and radio stations and even online of engaging people in content, you know, talking to them about arguing with them or, you know, sharing ideas. And so, you know, the trick, I guess the trick is with podcasts is you got to, you got to be part of some of those conversations. You got to, you know, have an opinion and, and you got to be willing to converse, you know, find those conversations and participate. So you're purchasing newsletter lists. How are you, you know, what's the... We're not purchasing newsletter oh, lists. I'm, I apologize. So, yeah. Yeah, no, we, we're putting ads on places like Facebook, Facebook and okay. Instagram and getting people are signing up that way getting subscribers that way okay yeah i didn't want to you know that's not what i was trying to say so what is the is the business model that you're supporting it through advertising well for now the business model is we're not supporting it it is subsidized by our owner so we're we are backed by an owner but the goal is to be supported through a mix of advertising and a membership slash subscription and then probably you know other smaller sources of revenue events and merchandise and things like that. But right now we are doing only advertising and we're doing advertising in our newsletter and in our podcast. And, and one of the things that's been very heartening to me is when we started this, we had no idea whether there was any interest in local podcast advertising and whether there was opportunity there. And we, we have no ad sales team. I do all our ad sales. We do no outbound sales work at all. It's just whatever comes to us. But we're getting over the transom, like real interest in the cities where we're operating because people are listening to the podcast and they think, yeah, I operate a cultural institution here in Denver. Like I, surely there are lots of really culturally engaged people in Denver who, will want to, who are listening to this podcast who I can want to try to reach. And so we're getting a real significant amount of local advertiser interest and the CPMs are pretty good. So we're definitely going to need a mix of local and national ads for the, the advertising model to work. But the fact that the local is there and it's pretty vigorous is exciting. It's almost day by day, more and more people begin to see the advantage of advertising in, in the podcasting space. I mean, you know, five years ago, people were still reticent about how do you know anybody's listening to this? You know, how do I know if he's going to see my ads? But I think it's changed a lot. There are possibilities here, especially you guys are treading some really interesting ground here. And so hopefully this is going to be a, a positive thing for you. So, you know, I know that you mentioned uh, all the cities that you're at now and the ones that you're, you're looking to go to. Is there a particular size of a city that you're saying, yeah, we can float it here, but, you know, maybe X city would be too small? Or We're experimenting with that. We've gone to some huge cities and we're in some medium-sized cities and we're about to try in Madison, a city that's a really quite a small city. And Pittsburgh's actually a pretty small city when you start to look at it. And we're, we're still trying to figure it out. So our biggest audience is in Denver, which is much smaller than Chicago or Houston. And I think that Denver is an interesting kind of city because it, it's a real patriotic city. It's a city that has a really strong sense of itself and people are really have really strong opinions about what Denver is. And it has a pretty strong identity. A city like Chicago, which is enormous, has way too many identities. Chicago has dozens of different identities and it's a little bit harder to kind of create a single podcast that speaks to that. 
you could have a South Side um, yeah. podcast. Or... Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's really a process of experimentation. So we suspect that, for example, Salt Lake, we suspect is going to be a really good market because it's a relatively small city, but it's very podcast active. And it's a, there's a really strong sense about what Salt Lake is. And people like to talk in Salt Lake, like to talk about it a lot. So we think that that will probably create a good market. We're really figuring it out now. And it's also just very talent dependent. So if you have a fantastic host somewhere, that host is probably going to succeed. And if you don't have a fantastic host, you're much less likely to succeed. I hate to ask this question because when I talk about podcasting and why people should do podcasting, one of the first questions they always ask me is how long should a podcast be? But are you finding that it's better for you to have a podcast that's on, on the shorter side or? We don't know. I mean, they are on the shorter side. They're 15 minutes long. We honestly don't know. Like we don't test oh, if we ran this at 35, would it be more successful? Or if we ran it at seven minutes, would it be more successful? We're just kind of making a bet that 15 is a, is a pretty good length, but we actually don't have the research to tell us, oh, this is definitely where it should be. So can't help you there, sorry. Yeah, no, I'm not looking for a magic number. It's just, like I said, people, again, when I talk about podcasts, people, that's the first thing they ask. Then the second thing is, can I put music on it that somebody else has recorded and written and the answer to that is usually no. <laughs> Unless your name's Bob Dylan, no. You can't use that music. So just as a general, sort of wrap this up with a general question about podcasting. How do you feel about podcasting? You've been in it, involved in it for a long time. Where do you think the industry's headed? Well, I started podcasting. I've been hosting a podcast for Slate, the Slate Political Gap Fest, for 16 and a half years, almost 17 years. The year that word podcast was coined. I think we did our first episode of the Gabfest. So I've been doing it a really long time. I mean, I think I'm really puzzled by the impact of whatever Spotify is doing, whether Spotify is either a massive gain for the industry or it's been a huge distraction and difficulty. That's a question that has me puzzled. I am puzzled about this discoverability question like can can podcasting survive if only like three podcasts at a time are allowed to be successful that's a question that i wonder about like is there is there a way to create podcasts that are relatively small but still can be financially successful like the are the ways to monetize or the subscriptions or the memberships and the targeted ads are they going to be good enough that that's a reasonable business for people? And can their podcast be found? Like I'm exhausted with a lot of the genres. I'm exhausted with true crime. I'm exhausted with like almost everything that came out of the serial verse. I'm exhausted with, I'm a celebrity talking about whatever the fuck it is that I want to talk about. <laughs> and my own podcast listening, I, I feel like I would like there to be some other set of things that pops up to me that feels new. I mean, I, I host a podcast that's been the same for 17 years. I would feel the same thing about, oh, yeah, it's a podcast about politics where a bunch of people are sitting around talking about politics. Like a lot of the genres feel kind of tired and I'm not sure where everything's going next. That's all been really negative. The positive is it's just an amazing medium that people keep discovering. And there are a lot of people left to still discover it. People love listening to human voices and a human voice that is 
a sympathetic voice that is telling a great story or that has something really smart to say, or that is in conversation with someone else who is warm or funny or infuriating, that is what humans are absolutely wired for. And it has this benefit, unlike every other one of the media that we use, it's a media that you can double dip in. You can do something else while you listen. And that makes means that it is not subject to the same constraints of, I have to be looking at it and therefore I only have 24 hours and I can only look at one thing at once. Like you can listen to podcasts and do all these other things. And there's still two thirds of the population still yet to discover it. And that's a great opportunity. So in general, bullish in the specific kind of depressed about how little I find new that I like. I agree with everything that you said. The only thing that I would probably tweak a little differently from my point of view is, and maybe this is just a different way of saying what you're saying is I just think to the point of getting tired about what podcasts are, I just, I just feel there's just so much potential for different type of content to be created that just nobody's experimenting or, or pushing. You know, I know that for the longest time, people who were trying to uh, make uh, money-making podcasts were looking for that magic formula. What's the magic formula for me to make money with this podcast with a minimal amount of effort? But I don't know. David, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, hopefully I'll talk to you again in another eight or nine years. <laughs> so don't be a stranger. Make it okay. four. Okay, there we go. There we go. The world is going to change. God. Look how much the world has changed in three years. Imagine right. what it'll be like in four. Dear God. Right. David, thanks for coming to the podcast. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter. You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere good podcasts are found. If you'd like to help us grow our podcast, like and share our episodes on social media. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Capre wrote our theme music. Emilio Brust helped with our booking. Steph Thomas is our social media manager. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Thanks for listening. <laughs>